My definition of love is supporting someone's path to happiness, even if you disagree with the decisions they make or the path they take. In other words, let people be who they are and support them doing so. We all want that, don't we? If you find that you can't support the path someone is on, that's not a bad thing, but if you make them feel bad or wrong for the path they're on, that could be emotional abuse. If you hurt people you care about and you want to stop that behavior, head over to healedbeing.com where I've created a step-by-step process to heal from being hurtful to those you care about most. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you learn the skills you need to deal with life's challenges in the most emotionally intelligent way. This show consists of my personal opinion and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. And let's get started. (laughs) Today, I'm going to talk about a letter that I received a couple months back. This person wrote, and I've condensed it into my own notes, so it isn't exactly what she wrote. But she said that she made a mistake and now has to pay for this mistake every time her partner brings it up. The mistake wasn't even that bad, and this is mostly my wording, especially considering the circumstances. She was in a friends with benefits situation and they went to a party. She briefly kissed someone else. He got jealous, and then he said, I have feelings for you. I guess that's what he said. And then they started seeing each other exclusively, I assume. Then he gets drunk and he tells her he doesn't want to be with her and he flirts with other people. And he puts her down and he blames her for things and brings up that one night with that kiss that she gave to someone else before they were even exclusive. And um, he brings it up over and over again and he gets drunk apparently quite a few times um, over time that they've been dating. And he puts her down and he, he gives her hell about that kiss and over and over again she apologizes for it. Now he says he'll change and he'll manage his drinking and he wants nothing more than to be with her. My friends say to leave him and my mom says she won't talk to me if I stay with him and he swears he'll turn over a new leaf. He says he even wants to marry me and have kids. He says he won't try to break up with me anymore either. (laughs) Am I stupid? He has shown signs to stop drinking and he has been communicating with me more but I can't tell if that's just until I get back. I'm currently not home and will be returning home. I don't know when, weeks or months, but apparently she is out of town. Is there hope he will ever change? Let's take a moment of silence. (laughs) The reason I say that is because there are quite a few people listening now that probably agree with your friends. There are quite a few people listening that also want to know Uh, wow, that's something that I'm going through too. So what do you say, Paul? What's your answer? I don't know if I have an answer, but I do have a comment or two. I do have a perception, a take on this. And my first take on this is most of what you wrote about him changing is uh, prediction. It is hope. It is wishing and praying and waiting to see what will happen. There are certain signs that you see, but you're not even in town. You're not even together. And let me tell you from my experience, as someone who uh, used to be not the best partner, I would be possessive and jealous and controlling way back in my 20s and into my 30s, but I am 52 now for those who don't know, but I went through all the immature behavior traits that emotionally abusive people go through. I mean, I was an emotionally abusive person. And a lot of these behaviors that you're describing, I went through too. I wasn't a drinker. But 
uh, I would not let something go. Yeah, but you kissed him before we even met. And I'm mad. <laughs> I'm upset about that. Because you had a life before us. And that makes me jealous. And I'll just say that's ridiculous. When I think about that now, that's ridiculous. The stuff that happened before you met, not and not you, the person who wrote, but in general, if someone gives you hell about something you did before you met, that's ridiculous. I don't normally say that's ridiculous. That's a generalization. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's silly to focus on something that somebody did before they met because who are they now? Who are they today? Well, you kissed that girl. Are they kissing that girl today? Are they in touch with them? If they are, that's a problem maybe, depending on your circumstances. But who are they today? How are they showing up today? Who are they for you? Who are they for themselves? Who are they when they're not with you? What What's their character? Are they the same character they were back then? So I look at my past and I think, wow, that's who I was? I was so focused on things that people did in their past and I kept bringing it up. What? How does that help anyone? Why am I so focused on that? Back then, it was because I wanted things a certain way. I wanted purity. I wanted someone to be clean. That means a lot of things. But that's who I was. I, I wanted someone that uh, was didn't get around much, if you know what I mean. Not promiscuous. We're human beings. We're going to have a history. You have a life before anyone you meet, and you will have a life after everyone you meet. And you will make decisions based on what you feel, how you feel, what you think, how you want your life to turn out. What are your wants and needs? What are your values? When you make decisions, those wants, needs, and values come into play. And when someone else is in your life, there are some compromises we make, sometimes sacrifices. And if we want to continue the relationship with them and we really like that relationship, we may not do the things that we used to do. And we may make different decisions if those people weren't in our lives. But when we have someone in our life, we do make different decisions, and we are who we are at that time. Where am I going with this? Well, the first thing I want to say is the kiss that you talk about. You went to a party, and you weren't even exclusive. You weren't even talking about being with each other in a uh, monogamous relationship. You were just together in different ways. But then, apparently, he developed feelings, and you decided to date, and now he brings up a kiss that happened when you weren't even in a relationship with him. So this is the point where you say, yeah, that happened. So what? <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah, that happened. So what? Well, I have a real problem with it because uh, I'm, you know, I, I liked you back then. Well, I didn't know that. If I knew that, I wouldn't have kissed that person. But I didn't know it, so... What? <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? I'm, I can't change the past. I can't go back to that moment and say, okay, younger self, don't do this. It's not going to happen. So that's how it is. Yeah, well, I'm still angry. You might be. You'll have to deal with that. You'll have to figure out a way how to deal with that because it happened. It's not going to change. And if you can't get get over that, there's nothing I can do to help you. What What does he want? What does he want from you? You know, first, stop apologizing. You don't have anything to apologize for. And if you did, let me put it this way. Even if you did start dating, it was very, very early in the relationship. And I'm not saying you get a free pass. <laughs> I'm saying even if you did this thing that you believed was a mistake, and he believed it was a mistake. In order to get past this mistake, people have to heal and grow and move beyond it if you're going to stay together. If you keep bringing it up, 
it, there's no point in continuing the relationship if it's going to be a subject or a topic of conversation over and over and over again. You're either going to forgive me and move on or heal from that moment, whether you forgive me or not, and move on or be okay with it or whatever. You're, you're just going to move on, you know, this, this guy. He's either going to move on or not. He's choosing not to. And because he chooses not to, there is no progression in the relationship. And now you're walking on eggshells, hoping he never brings it up again. This is why I'm taking you in the direction of owning it. Hey, I did it. And you know what? I'm never going to do it again. We're in a relationship. It's monogamous. And I'm all about you. So it's over. It's not going to happen again. You either trust me 100% or you don't. And if he says, well, I don't trust you 100%, then my answer would be, then why the heck are you in this relationship? Why are you in a relationship with someone you can't trust? Well, I mean, I, I trust you 99%. Well, if you can't get on board 100%, then you need to make a choice for yourself. Can I be okay with this? Can I learn to trust? Can I build trust? Can I get past this? If his answer is no, I can't get past this, then that's his issue. He needs to get past it in the way he needs to get past it, or he needs to move on. I mean, I am simplifying this, I know, but I like to simplify things. This is a very cut and dry issue, and this is only one component of what you wrote. I have other things to say, <laughs> but this is one component of what you wrote. I saw you kiss that person. Okay. You did, and I've apologized, and now we can either move on or not. Well, I can't move on. Well, then you're going to have to make a decision. That's where I go. I like to break it down to the simplest factor. The factor is, can you handle this from this point on and move on from it? Can you heal from it? Or if you can't, then make a decision for yourself. Well, what does that mean, make a decision? You're either going to choose to be with me, knowing I did this, and be okay with it, or you're not going to be okay with it and just continue bringing it up or you're going to move on because you can't handle it. So, you know, I talked about that in previous episodes. You accept and you stay or you reject and you stay or you accept and leave or you accept and, or what do I say? <laughs> or you reject and leave. And, uh, you know, you have these choices in front of you. Make the choice. Make the decision. I'm talking to him. For the person who wrote, own it. Own what you did. Yeah, I did it. That's what happened. And I'm okay with it now. If you can't be okay with it now, that's on you and you need, you need to figure it out. And so that's where I would take that particular issue. Stop apologizing for something that really didn't sound wrong in the first place. And uh, don't be so nice because you know you want to accommodate or make him feel better because he's trying to put you down and he clearly has power over you when he does this. When he brings it up, he sees your power drain and he takes that power from you. And you're going to stop giving that away. Don't give away any more of your power. You give away your power by allowing someone to be right or righteous over you when they, uh, they don't have a, a right to be. And, you know, no one should take your power away. Your power is your um, energy. It is your free will. It is your history. It is your future. It is the decisions that you make. It is everything about you. And when somebody comes along and says, well, you're worthless. Your decisions suck. What you're doing is wrong. That's taking your power away if you take it personally. Don't let people take your power away. And I would say don't take it personally, but it's hard. It's hard not to take it personally when you're with somebody for a while and they say things and you trust them and you believe those things, or at least at some level you believe those things. Or even if you don't believe those things, it hurts to hear. And because it hurts, that's somebody taking your power away. The hurt puts you in that, I don't want to say weakened state, but it, it does weaken you emotionally. It uh, puts you in a more vulnerable space to be manipulated and controlled and hurt more. Because when someone takes your power away, they, they can hurt you easily. 
They can hurt you more, and they can hurt you easily. That was one component of your message, and that really stuck out because it sounds like it's a point of contention in the relationship. Now, the next part of this is uh, he says he's turning over a new leaf. He says he's going to manage his drinking. He says he wants to marry you and have kids. Oh, my God, that's very scary because that shouldn't be discussed until you have had enough time to see that the healing has taken place and stuck. Never talk commitments like that or any commitments with someone that you are um, iffy with right now. He wants to commit to lock you in to a relationship contract of his design, of his creation. And if you sign that relationship contract, you are under his wing. You're under his, not wing, but control. You are under his spell almost because he's going to lock you in with all these promises that haven't panned out yet. There are signs, but signs don't mean anything, especially when you're not together and you can't witness it in person. Signs don't mean too much until there's actual change. Now, I'm all about trend lines. The trend is getting, you know, the trend line goes up and to the right, indicating that things are getting better. In a corporation, that means you're getting more profit and you're growing. And that's great. You can look at the chart and say, whoa, the trend line's going up and to the right, just like a relationship. Whoa, the uh, relationship, it feels good every day and it just seems to get better. I usually look at trend lines in a relationship when it comes to healing something. For example, if there's been infidelity of any sort in the relationship and the couple wants to work it out, wants to heal through it, and the person who cheated promises never to do it again and feels remorseful and feels guilty and even feels a, a healthy dose of shame, and the victim of that infidelity, if they feel like this relationship is worth salvaging and they want to work it out with the other person, then the we we start to look at the trend line okay we have starting at the bottom left is it going to go up and to the right daily weekly monthly yearly if it's not going up and to the right then there's no uh, or not enough healing taking place or not enough transparency or not enough communication or there's been a setback or some massive problem that arrived but technically it should continue going up and to the right so uh, week one, you, there's a lot of apologies, but you know, week two comes along and you're settling in and then month three comes along and then you're settling in more and there's just a, a better feeling because the relationship rebuilds. Don't use that timeline as a guide. I actually talk about a timeline for healing from infidelity is typically six months to a year and ongoing. Six months to a year is the major part of the healing if the relationship is um, going to be salvaged. But six months to a year is typically when you'll know if it's going to work out. But after a year, it can continue. There's, there can still be triggers that uh, come up. But the trend line should go up and to the right to tell you, hey, things are getting better, even if it's incrementally slow. Okay, next day, next day, next week, next month. Uh, it's slow, but it continues to rise. So I look at trend lines, yes, but this person wrote, said that their partner said he was going to do a lot of things. And there are tiny micro-movements going up and to the right, according to the trend line. But he's not necessarily there yet. And now here's what worries me, and I already said it. He's making these grandiose comments, let's get married, let's have kids, saying what you want to hear probably or at least what he thinks you want to hear to show his level of commitment where he hasn't even shown you his level of um, healed results yet he hasn't shown you what the outcome is for his own healing yet he's shown you signs but no outcome and this is where i'm bringing you back here what i said earlier you can't make big commitments like this until you see the outcome, what you want to see, which is 
him in complete control of his drinking and him not hurting you anymore and saying all this stuff. And it has to be um, that way for a long time. What's a long time to you? It depends. Six months, a year, two years. Do you have to get married today? Do you have to get married in a year? Is time ticking? Sometimes, you know, we have a lot more time than we think we do, so we wait. And we don't want to step into anything that uh, could blow up in our face. This is why I love to say, take love slow. And healing relationships can take a lot longer than falling in love. Healing a relationship can take a lot longer than falling in love. And what that means is falling in love is it's sometimes a lot easier and shouldn't be that easy. It, it should be a work in progress. It should be work. It should be continuously showing up and continuously feeling it out and continuously um, determining if the other person is in alignment with us, making sure that we're going in the same direction. We may not agree on everything, but is it continuing to go in that direction? So love is something that grows pretty fast sometimes. We just have to reel it in and make it a little slower so that we don't get stuck in a situation where we're now in love and the other person turns out to be a jerk or abusive or whatever. So it is nice to get to a point where you know the other person so well that uh, you hope that everything has been revealed, anything major that is about them that has been revealed already. That's why taking love slow is much better, but it doesn't always happen that way. Healing, however, does take some time, and that will usually take longer. And it's okay for it to take longer, and this is what I'm now addressing with your letter, is if you want to give this a chance, come home, (laughs) connect with him, and take it slow. Just take it slow. Take it day by day, week by week, month by month, and See where it goes, but don't discount anything that has already happened. If he gets drunk again and he starts flirting with other women, that should be enough for you. That should be it. That should be your boundary. You know what? If that happens, this will be you talking. If that happens, it's over. That sounds scary. Wow, I just want to call it over. That's that's crazy. But what if he uh, just had a, a slip-up? No, don't give him the leeway. Don't give him the leeway for that slip-up. But what if it really was a slip-up? I know, I know. But well, here's what happens, is that you give him leeway for the first time it happens. Someone that hasn't fully healed or isn't really healing is going to say, hey, she's still around or they're still around. They're still here even after I slipped up. You know what that means? I can do it again. I have a free pass, even though, yeah, they'll be upset if I do it, but I still have this free pass. So I can get through the upset and stick around because I know they're going to stick around for me. So this is great for them. This is them talking now. This is great. I love this position I'm in because... If I do slip up again, which I will, because I'm going to get drunk again because I love drinking, um, then it's okay because she's tolerant. She's forgiving. And I'm doing better in some areas, but uh, it looks like I can get away with things in this area. And then if uh, she gives me any problems, I'll just blame her. I'm making stuff up, I know, and I'm making him sound like a real jerk, and I know that too. But I'm just going by what you said. Some of the stuff that he's done to you is abusive. It is hurtful. And uh, if you've listened to my show for a while or Love and Abuse, you know that, or at least if you didn't know, I'm going to tell you now, you know that when someone crosses the line once and then they do it again and then they do it again and they do it in different ways and different times and different days and with different people around and they keep crossing the line, the first time you let them cross the line is the permission slip they need to cross it again and again and again. And because that happens, this is why we stay in toxic relationships. 
Oh, they crossed the line once. Ugh, that's not good. I hope they don't do it again. Oh, they crossed the line again. I don't like that. I'm upset. I hope they don't do it again. Oh, they crossed the line again. How many lines? <laughs> how many lines do you have? Or how close is that line to your emotional well-being, to the core of who you are, to your heart? How close are you letting someone's toxicity near your heart? The closer and the more toxic they are to your heart, the more uh, traumatic your system gets. You are traumatized. It creates that trauma bond I talk about in Love and Abuse or at loveandabuse.com. It's my other podcast if you don't know. But the trauma bond occurs when you have the highs and the lows of an abusive relationship. And most of the time you're wishing for the highs and waiting for the lows to go away and hope they never come back. But you're so uh, addicted to the highs because you get treated so nicely and so generously during those times, a lot of people, uh, that it uh, creates like a drug addiction. It's an emotional drug addiction where you get so much good stuff along with the uh, withdrawal symptoms afterward. The withdrawal symptoms are the, the pain and the anguish you want more of that good stuff but you you're not getting it and you're just hoping it comes faster and and you're hoping that this bad stuff goes away and but it doesn't it um it continues this is the cycle and this is why a lot of people stay in abusive relationships is that they get the highs they love the highs they want those highs again because it's fulfilling a sense of typically a sense of self-worth a sense of um being nurtured if they have any parental issues, they weren't nurtured as a child. It also fulfills their need to be with someone because they don't want to be alone. They, they fear abandonment. This is different for everyone. I'm not saying that everyone who is experiencing this has had that kind of past or these kind of issues in their childhood. But that's often what happens. It's often why we stay in toxic relationships is because we're trying to fulfill something that we need fulfilled in us. Um, and we don't want to let it go because when it is fulfilled, it completes us in a way. I don't like that term, but it completes us. And I don't like to use that term when I'm talking about um, you complete me as in we're in love. But a toxic relationship does offer in a dysfunctional way a sense of completion when it's good. So if you know someone that you feel good around sometimes, but not so good or awful around other times, then you're probably getting a sense of completion from them during the good times. And because of that, you really enjoy it. You really enjoy the good times because the bad times aren't bad enough for you to leave because you're enjoying the good times. And we all want to feel whole. We all want to feel complete. Oh, I'm not speaking for everyone, of course, but I, I would think that most of us want to feel a sense of uh, wholeness and completion because it makes us feel like um, there's nothing missing. It's like the, the best relationship can make you feel like everything's fulfilled. There's nothing missing. This is great. And then during the bad times, there's something missing. This isn't great. I don't like this. I, I want this to end. So to this person who wrote, this is what I'm telling you. You need to see results. You need to see the outcome that you want to see. My girlfriend says, you are not your potential. <laughs> she told that to me. She said, no matter how healed somebody is or how great they think they are at something, uh, they are still not the potential they could be. There is always work to do. And when there's work to do, you're still not there. He has work to do. Because if I told you he is never going to change from this point on, and because that's the case, will you want to be with him? Knowing he'll never change. Your answer is probably going to be, well, no, not the way he is now. But he says he's turning over a new leaf, or he wants to turn over a new leaf. Yeah, he likes to talk about all this future stuff, but it's not real until it's real. It's not happening until it happens. But I don't want to give up something that could be great. 
yeah, there's a lot of things that could be great, but it doesn't exist until it exists. And this is why it's important to see the outcome first. So when you connect with him, if you haven't already, when you connect with him again, you need to see real results. You need to see real behavior changes. You need to feel his compassion. In fact, I would even look for his apology. Wow, you know, I treated you so badly. I, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. I never wanted to do that. Wow, I, I can't believe you stuck around so long. That would be great. Doesn't happen often, but that would be great. If he could do that, or if he was genuinely, if he genuinely felt that way, and he showed real change, and it stuck for a minimum of six months, but it continued on and on and on, and you're with him another year or two, and he's still a great guy. You know, he has made those changes, and he's still a great guy, and he just seems to be different than he used to be. Then you can talk about a commitment. You know, you can commit to each other as a monogamous couple, but a commitment like uh, moving in together, having kids, getting married, all that stuff, all of that needs to be predicated upon the fact that he has changed and the outcome is what the one you want. You need to see the changes already. He needs to be the change that you want to see in your world. <laughs> Put some Gandhi reference in there. But when you see it and when you're around it and when you feel it and it feels good and it continues and there are no weird flags that come up or red flags or whatever then you might be in good shape. Otherwise, and this is what I was starting to say earlier, if you start to see anything of the old behavior, you got to say, that's it. I'm not going to handle this. This is where you keep your power. You lose your power if you say, oh, well, he did it once. Let's hope he doesn't do it again. That doesn't feel like power. That doesn't feel empowering at all. That feels like I'm giving in, I'm submitting, and I'm just hoping that things work out for the best. I mean, it's okay to hope, but when you give in and allow someone to do the same things they used to do, and they keep promising you, I, I promise I'll change, this isn't going to happen again, it just doesn't exist until it exists. So my thought is when you're in a relationship with somebody who has made all these mistakes and has hurt you, and they are turning over a new leaf, then that behavior shouldn't exist anymore. They may slip up. It's true. What happens if they slip up, Paul? Do I just give them no chance at all? You might have to give them a warning. You might have to say, hey, if this happens again, you said this would never happen again, but if this happens again, this is your warning. Now, what does a warning come with? A warning always comes with accountability. The next time you do this, I'm leaving. That's it. Because if somebody's really gung-ho on changing, they're going to hear you and say, you're right, you're right. I'm so sorry I did that. It was an error. It was a mistake. And that will never happen again. And they have to mean it. If they don't mean it, then you have to show them that they are accountable. There are consequences for their behavior. And it's time to go. So, that's where I'm taking you. You asked, am I stupid? No. You probably just want to feel good with somebody who does make you feel good sometimes. But when all that other stuff is mixed in, it's a very toxic soup that you don't want to ingest every day. You don't want to keep doing that because that is how the trauma bond forms. And now you're stuck in a situation that you don't know how to get out of because you feel like when it's good it's great and it feels complete and whole and it's like a drug so got to be careful about that i hope this gives you enough to go on and thanks for tuning and we'll be right back i'm going to give you a short message about our sponsor today and i'll quickly go over another message i received be right back after this They offer a better system, 
a better schedule, a better cost. They are today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Their better system is that you get to talk with a therapist from home using video, phone, or chat. Their better schedule is that they work with your schedule. And because you're home, you don't have to spend the time driving or sitting in a waiting room. And the better cost is because they are more affordable than other therapy options. I don't know about you, but I've been so stressed at certain events in my life, it was hard to stay in problem-solving mode. All I could focus on was the problem, not the solution. When I went to therapy for my depression many years ago, she helped me become a problem solver. I mean, I didn't think I'd ever feel good again. I left therapy with tools to help me through present and future challenges. That's what BetterHelp is here to do for you as well. If you're dealing with emotional turmoil, stress, or anxiety, and you want to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month. That's two words, betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to go over something really quick and I may not be able to help this person because... Sometimes you deal with people that aren't uh, easy to deal with and, in fact, impossible. And the person who wrote to me, uh, what I'm about to talk about here, has a family member that is almost impossible to deal with. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason some people are impossible to deal with. And uh, the reason that she explains is because he doesn't want to take responsibility and he plays the victim and I guess it's a family member, but he does anything he can to divert, deflect, and make others to blame, make others responsible when he creates a problem or makes a mistake. He lies. He does a lot of stuff to make sure that he himself is not getting a finger pointed at him, even though everyone is pointing their fingers at him probably but he doesn't want people to know that he is to blame. And she sent a message. I'll read part of it here. She said, I have a selfish, entitled, and emotionally abusive family member. I maintain low contact most of the time, but can't avoid him at all times. He uses those situations and tries to emotionally manipulate me for his benefit. Given his abusive nature, any attempt at reasoning ends in him blame-shifting, whatabouting, I never heard that term, (laughs) self-victimization, and other mind games. I don't want to give this person any thought or time, let alone lose my cool, but it's being hard to sit there and listen to him trying to actively manipulate me and distort events. I feel like shouting in his face that he's an abuser, but I know that I'll only be playing into his game. How can I not let it bother me, have a poker face, but also live with it while this person keeps trying to manipulate? And, um... She gave me some examples, and the examples are everything I just talked about. He lies, he shifts the blame, he does other things like demanding gifts for himself and his family, and if she doesn't comply, the person who wrote, he tries to guilt trip her in how she doesn't love him or the kids, and on and on and on. There's all kinds of examples that she provided, and um, it really came down to a person that doesn't want to be exposed, and so this person that she's talking about, he doesn't want to be exposed. Any exposure makes him feel vulnerable, which probably makes him feel weak. And if he feels weak, he has no power. If he has no power, then what does that mean for himself? What does that mean for his life? Maybe he was brought up to believe that if you don't show strength or power in this toxic way, that others will be able to have power over you. And so there are some people like this that, quite frankly, are nearly impossible to deal with. And the only thing that I can think of to deal with somebody who has no problem lying, blaming everyone else, is just to ignore them, get away from them, don't deal with them. That's not much of an answer, I know, but because sometimes you're you're stuck. But you have to ignore them, get away from them, not talk to them. Because they will do everything in their power to keep their power. So when you have someone that has no problem making stuff up, 
just to make themselves look right and feel righteous, just to make you look wrong and feel guilty. When somebody is like that, they don't want to change. And so any type of resistance that you show makes them uh, come out. It, it, It is their fuel. Your resistance is their fuel. And this is my answer pretty much, is that when you're dealing with somebody like this, the more you resist, the better they are at being who they are. If who they are is manipulative, controlling, playing the victim, making you feel bad because they know how to press your buttons, that's who they'll be and continue to be if you show any resistance. Resistance comes in the form of, uh, that's not true. You might say something like that. That's not true. That's not what happened. That's when they turn on. That is their fuel. If you say, but what you did was wrong and uh, you should take responsibility for it, that's their fuel. They're going to feed off of it because they've been practicing for years and years and years. They know exactly how to respond to people saying that. They know how to respond to those responses. Whatever you say that is an attempt to call them out or make them responsible for their own behaviors is their fuel. And they're going to retort and they're going to come back with something that is either hurtful or deflective or whatever. They just take your response, make it their fuel, and come back with something that is abusive. That's what they do. And so there are people like this. Some of them have personality disorders. The person she describes sounds very narcissistic. I don't know if he has NPD or not, narcissistic personality disorder, but he could. Or he could be a scared little child that does not want to show anyone his vulnerabilities. And uh, sometimes that's one and the same. You know, there are people with NPD that uh, pretty much they have all this fear inside and they don't want to show anyone that fear. So they do all these behaviors that are basically pushing people away and making them wrong just so they walk around on this earth feeling righteous, feeling good about themselves, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how you feel good about yourself, but that's their formula. They, th- they think it, in order to feel good and happy, you have to make sure that you're never seen as wrong and you're never seen as the bad guy. Everyone else is bad. I never make mistakes. That person's bad. That person's bad. But I never made a, made a mistake in my life. And I never have to apologize for anything or take responsibility for anything because I'm perfect. I don't want to be seen as anything less than perfect. When somebody's walking around like that, you can't deal with them. You can't talk with them, uh, at least in the conversation where um, when they're being hurtful, uh, when they're lying, <laughs> when they're being emotionally abusive, when they're doing normal things. It's hard to have a regular conversation where if there's any type of uh, responsibility that needs to take place, they will never take it. Unless something great happened, then they'll take responsibility for it. Oh yeah, I helped that happen. That is the greatest thing ever. I, I helped that happen or I made that happen. Or if it wasn't for me, that wouldn't have happened. People like that, They have an agenda, and it's a built-in agenda. It's an intrinsic one. They want to continue being who they are so that they're never seen as weak or feel weak because as soon as a weakness hits, they can't deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it, so they try to avoid it at all costs, and they've gotten very good at avoiding it. They've gotten very good at making sure everyone else feels responsible or feels hurt or flustered because they can't get through to them. And these people are quite content. A lot of them are quite content in who they are. They're okay being who they are. So if you want to see less of who they are, you have to show less resistance. This doesn't mean I'm telling you that you have to be this way. I'm just saying if you don't want to see that behavior, don't resist that behavior. Well, how do I do that? How do I deal with this when they're at the dinner table? I know. Sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes they'll say something that's blatantly untrue 
and you feel like you need to defend yourself. I'm all about keeping your power. So here's my, my um, philosophy. When there are people I know that are capable of taking my power no matter what I say, I do my best not to say anything. In fact, I might even just agree with them. Oh yeah, that, that's what you did, that's great. They have nothing to feed off of. It actually is a supply for their narcissistic tendencies when you agree with them and you say, yeah, that's, that's how it went, I agree with you, and you're right, you're not responsible. I'm not saying that you should do that. In fact, that's pretty much the opposite of what I would do. <laughs> but I'm saying how you can turn it around so that you don't get their toxicity by helping to feed their ego. I don't want you to do that. I definitely don't want you to do that. I don't think that it's a good idea, but I don't think you can win. I don't think you can get past their toxic behavior, their toxic personality by uh, proving them wrong. Even when you show somebody video evidence of what they did, you know, somebody like this, they might say, oh, well, that one case but I only did that because, and then they'll make something up. You can't win. So this is a very non-answer. <laughs> you can't win with people like this, but you can understand that the more you resist, the more they persist, and the more this person's going to continue being who they are as long as you continue resisting who they are. So what can you do? That is the question, right? Uh, you said in your email, this person who wrote, that she is stuck at the dinner table and she does avoid, she does ignore, she tries not to bring anything up, but he brings things up. What can you do? You know, um, the first question that comes to my mind, if you were going to face this person and ask them anything, would be like, uh, are you afraid to take responsibility for what you did? Again, this is resistance. This is going against what they want to hear and what they feel about themselves or what they want to feel about themselves. So if you ask a question like that, are you afraid to take responsibility for what you did? They're going to put you down. They're going to insult you. They're going to deflect. They're going to divert. And they're going to make you wrong. But that's the first question that comes to my mind. It's like, are you afraid to take responsibility for anything that you've done? Because you're addressing their fear. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just kind of giving you something for fodder <laughs> to talk about if you wanted to. And then the next question might be, when is the last time you made a mistake and took responsibility for it? Then you might say, I take responsibility for all my mistakes. Well, name one. I can't think of any. This isn't going to go anywhere. I swear, <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere when you ask questions like this. But that's the first thing that comes to mind. And it would be, Somebody, um, I mean, this would be helpful with somebody who is willing to look inside and look inward and reflect. If they're willing to take a sliver of responsibility, it might be worth having a conversation like this. But I guarantee you this is not going to work. I only put that out there in case you wanted to go against the grain and find out what happened when you asked a question like that. Now, if it were me in this situation and there was somebody like that, yes, I would do everything you're doing. I would avoid them. It's pointless. Then when they try to be who they are, then I would probably just do my best to uh, be polite and not get into a conversation as much as I could. But when they did say something that was blatantly wrong and I knew that if I tried to correct them, I would probably just say, you know, I have different beliefs. That, that might go badly too. I have different beliefs, but you know, if you believe that, that's great. That shows you're not resisting and you're honoring yourself at the same time. That's not going to go well either. <laughs> I'm giving you things that would certainly work with healthier people, but this person's not healthy because everything they do is meant to protect them in some way. They want to protect themselves. And they think that by making everyone else wrong, not taking any responsibility for anything they've done, and even being okay lying. When you have somebody that's okay lying to you, they feel fine lying to you, there's no limit. 
There's no like moral compass in there. There's no limit. And when somebody has no limit, you have no chance because they'll do anything to protect themselves. They don't want to feel like a small, helpless child uh, who is being threatened, which is probably what's going on inside of this person. They'll feel these fears and they cover these fears with bad behavior. Now, I'm trying to think of myself in this situation. How far am I going to take it? Would I say, wow, you just sound like a scared person. You sound so afraid. You don't want to take responsibility for anything. You blame everyone else. You just sound so afraid. They might go crazy. <laughs> they might yell at me. They, I'm not afraid. I'll show you what fear is. They might say something like that. So why would I even go there? Why even bother? Because they're not going to uh, be able to change. So this is what I'm saying is that some people can't change. And all you can do is offer the least amount of resistance as possible because your resistance fuels their bad behavior. Resistance is just disagreement. It's pointing out how they're wrong. It's pointing out what they can do better. It's just pointing anything out that makes them feel like they are less than who they are. They want to feed their ego. They want to be admired. They want to have people look up to them and say, wow, you're great. Now, it's possible that if I'm in this situation, I might actually try to overinflate their ego. Oh, yeah, you're the greatest. You're the only person I know that never does anything wrong. You're so perfect. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying I might have a little fun with it because I know some people are just beyond help. Is he really beyond help? Probably not. Hopefully he can figure this out one day when he loses all his friends and his family doesn't want to talk to him anymore. Hopefully he can say, you know, maybe I am the common denominator for all my problems and I need to seek professional help. Hopefully that will happen someday. I, I don't believe everyone is beyond professional help, but uh, some people just refuse to believe that they need help. And because they have fear inside of them, they will push their fear onto others in the form of anger and upset in different ways. So that's what you're dealing with. I don't have much of a solution except about the resistance part. The more resistance you show, the more fuel it feeds their fire. So whatever you can do to be less fuel for their fire, less resistant to what they're doing and what they're saying, will be will make life easier. I'm not saying it's the best thing or the right thing. Like the right thing to do might say, well, I know you're lying. It's clear that you're lying. Here's proof. But is it worth it? <laughs> My goal is to make sure that uh, I don't get into situations that I just waste my time. I don't want to waste my time with somebody that's not going to get it, doesn't care, and is more concerned about their own well-being than anyone else. People that have no empathy, no sympathy, and all they care about is themselves and getting their own needs met and making sure that nobody sees any weakness in them when they are capable of lying and don't even care, have no moral compass, then there's nothing you can do. You just got to hope they get it one day. And usually um, losing friends and family where they feel alone, where they experience loss, will hopefully be enough for them to say, you know what, maybe I need to look at my life and figure out what I need to do to feel better and keep my friends and family Maybe it's something I'm doing, but they have to reach that themselves. And um, the reason I say that is because if you say, hey, it's something you're doing, that's resistance because they don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe that. They can't believe that because if they believe it, their fragile ego is crushed and now their self-worth is in the toilet and they feel so low inside themselves that it's just too emotionally dangerous for them to experience that. They don't have enough coping skills to deal with something like that, that they may be the problem. They may be the hurtful person. So they avoid that at all costs because if they admit to it or at some level believe that about themselves, then that really hits on some of their deepest fears and uh, 
that could all stem back to not feeling loved as a child, not getting love, not getting attention, uh, not being seen as important or worthy. And now they're trying to make up for that, what they didn't get in childhood, by being hurtful and by doing all this toxic behavior that they do. Thanks for writing. I, I don't know if this helps at all, but I, I hope it does. And stay strong. <laughs> this is tough. If you can't avoid this person, then you have to do your best to survive these times. Unless you're just a person that says, I don't care what you think of me. Get out of my face. That's quite bold. That's standing up for yourself, sure. Uh, it just depends on what you want to bring into your life. I mean... I might actually say something like that. I don't care what you think. Get out of my face. <laughs> but, you know, not all of us can do that. And we have to have social gatherings again and again because they're family. So what kind of issue do we want to create? Do we want to do that? Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> but that's where I go with this. Thanks so much for writing. And thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our financial backers, our patrons this week, Janet, Victoria, Kaylee, I mean Kayla, <laughs> sorry Kayla, Andy, good to see you guys. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate all the patrons, everyone that supports this show. They are valuable to me and for some reason they find what they hear on this show valuable because they chose to give back and I am so grateful for that. Thank you so much supporters. And if you find value in the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and uh, someday I'll read your name and I look forward to it. Thank you again, patrons. I appreciate every one of you. And if you want to hear more about all this emotionally abusive stuff and control and manipulation and bad behavior and difficult relationships, head over to loveandabuse.com. That's my other podcast where I definitely deep dive into that stuff and uh, help you through those challenges that you're dealing with. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, like this person who wrote to me, her family member suddenly realizes, oh no, all my friends and family don't want to be around me anymore. Uh, maybe it's not all their fault. Maybe it's something I need to look at. If that's you or if that person's listening, <laughs> head over to healedbeing.com and I have a program over there that helps emotionally abusive people who want to change, uh, heal and grow and get through that stuff. It changes their behaviors. And it's a very life-changing program for a lot of people. Healedbeing.com. And thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I guess I have one more comment on what I talked about in the last segment. And that is something I already mentioned, which is some people don't change until accountability kicks in. That's why when I said he loses his friends and family he may start to understand that perhaps he needs to look at himself because he seems to be the only person without friends and family <laughs> in his network of friends and family. So as his life starts to close in on him and all his friends and family seem to avoid him, hopefully that will be what he needs, the impetus he needs to say to himself, it must be something I'm doing. Or... Maybe I need to look at how I behave and perhaps make changes that um, change my life. That may be something he does. I hope it is. Some people never realize it. Some people go their entire lives blaming everyone else and then they make new friends and then eventually those new friends are turned off and new relationships are turned off and you know, eventually you figure out you're the common denominator for all your problems or not. This is something I had to go through myself in my 20s and my 30s and a little bit into my 40s. I started realizing, hmm, I'm the common denominator for all my problems in my life. Now I get it. Now I finally understand that I need to make changes in me and stop trying to change other people to accommodate me or conform to my wants and needs. That's what we have to look at is, are we doing that? Are we trying to make people accommodate to conform to our wants and needs? Or are we allowing them to be themselves? Or are we showing up like this person, lying and trying to 
control every situation and making sure that we never look bad. I understand, you know, when you're in an argument, you don't want to look bad. (laughs) You want to be right. But sometimes it's very helpful or often it's very helpful to take a step back and say, you know, maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture here. Maybe I need to look at this in a different way. Maybe I'll take a moment to look at it from your perspective. Wow, thank you for doing that. You just made yourself a lot more likable. Thank you for doing that. That's wonderful. I feel safer with you now. I'm a little bit more trusting of you, that you're willing to open your mind and look at both sides of things. That makes me feel um, comfortable in your presence. It's when people close their minds and say, nope, I'm right about everything and you're wrong. Nope, I'm going to go along this route whether you like it or not. When they just close their minds, don't take anybody else into account, that's when you don't feel comfortable around people. You don't feel as safe. You don't feel like you could trust them because their minds are closed. They're set in motion on this track that cannot be altered. They're going to continue along that track. doesn't matter what anybody says. This is how I think and this is the only way I think. It's hard to be comfortable around those people and it's hard to trust those people. I'm not saying it is for you or it isn't for you. It's This is the way I look at it. It's hard to trust people that are so closed-minded that they're not willing to take responsibility or look at maybe that they're the cause of some of the problems in their life or maybe that they actually have hurt people. And when they can step back and say, well, I guess I have to take a look at this. Maybe I did do something that hurt you. Maybe I did do something or said something that uh, wasn't nice. I'll take a look at that. Maybe I need to look at this in a a different way. When they say that, it kind of lets your guard down a little bit. Because that's what we do. We have our guards up around people like this that don't want to open their minds and don't want to give anyone the benefit of the doubt. Our guards are up. It's hard to be around those people. But when they say, you know, I'll take a look at that. I'll reflect on that for a little bit. Then if they come back and say, no, I still feel I'm right. At least, at least you feel a little bit more comfortable having a conversation with them, even though they disagree. Because we can agree to disagree, but it's hard to agree to disagree with somebody who never admits fault and always believes they're right all the time and believes they know what's best for everyone. It's hard to get on board with them. It's hard to feel comfortable around them or have conversations with them. Uh, So if that's you, (laughs) this may be why people aren't so comfortable around you all the time. If you know you're right, damn it, if you close your mind to any other thoughts or any other beliefs and you're just going to go along this path without listening to anyone else because you know what you know and it's true no matter what 100% and you're not open to being wrong, you are so attached to being right that you refuse to listen to anyone else. That might explain perhaps some non-relationships in your life. You know, relationships that could be, but but they aren't. Or some other people's adverse reactions to you. Or they're ignoring or not wanting to connect with you. That may or may not be you. I don't know. I hope it's not. I hope you're open-minded. I mean, you're listening to a show like this. Probably are. (laughs) You're probably willing to consider things and reflect on things. And ask yourself if this applies to your life. And if it doesn't, what would happen if I tried? What would happen if I tried to apply this to my life? How would my life change? Would it be better? Would it be worse? Let's try it on. I like to say, do what works. Do what works for you. In my life, what works for me is that we all get along. and We all feel good around each other. And I'm supporting you. You're supporting me. I may not agree with you, but at least I support your path to happiness and the decisions that you make for yourself. Even if I disagree with those decisions, I just want you to be happy. I think that's a a wonderful place to be when you want each other to be happy. But not all of us are doing that. Maybe not you, but the person who wrote her relative He's not doing it. He just wants to be right. And uh, people that are so close-minded and never take responsibility and never want to see any fault in themselves or any vulnerability in themselves, those kinds of people usually become more and more lonely over time. 
and hopefully they will reflect and they will see that maybe if they just started to open up to possibilities to the idea that maybe they could take responsibility for some of the things that have happened, some of the things going on in their life, maybe if they started seeing that they aren't perfect, that uh, their stress levels would go down, their friendships and family would uh, start to connect with them more and more, and uh, their life would be more peaceful. Life is not peaceful when you are holding on to control and feeling righteous all the time. It's not, because it's a big burden. It's a big burden to hold on to the idea that you're right all the time because you're trying to protect yourself, and that's a lot of weight to carry around, a lot of emotional weight. Always trying to protect yourself. I must be right. I must not be uh, shown to be weak or vulnerable because I'll feel weak and I'll feel worthless because I have old beliefs that don't really apply anymore or don't serve me anymore. They're old dysfunctional concepts that uh, I held on to from childhood that I think still apply, but they don't because I think most people want to be around people that are okay admitting when they're wrong or they could look at something in a different way and at least consider other possibilities. So I don't think that's you, the person listening right now, the one I'm talking to. I don't think that's you, but it might be somebody you know. And if it is you, well, let me just say this. Keep an open mind. That's how you get your power. That's how you create the life you want. Because opening your mind helps you step into your power. It helps you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <laughs>